0: worship team. Uh, Realized after I sat down that I didn't tell you guys who I am. I'm Slade Reinhart, just in case none of you know me, uh, the director of Grow, Connect, and Youth Ministries here at FBC. But I'm not back up here just to introduce myself. Uh, Before John Woodworth (laughs) comes to uh, preach God's word to us, I'm going to read God's word to you, so you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. As you know, we're in the middle of a sermon series on the armor of God, so I'll just read that whole passage, Ephesians 6:10 through 18. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Very, my name is John Woodworth, for those of you who don't know me. I'm one of your supported missionaries, so here I am. <laughs> it is a, truly a pleasure to be here with you this morning and be able to bring, uh, continue on in our service and bring the Word of God to you this morning. Uh, yesterday, I was in Mexico. Um, I was in Mexico until yesterday evening, actually. And so we've had a wonderful time uh, at, in uh, with the Laterno spring break trip there, and so I was very the reason I was one of the reasons I was the most happy about having the opportunity to share the gospel with you is so that I actually came back because I really wanted to stay there. So one of the things that are, I think we lose in our American culture is the passing of greetings from one church to another. Kenya, where we served for 21 years, Becky and I and our family. It was very common, so if you came to another church building or another church, a visitor would come, they would actually bring a greeting from the church that they came from. So this morning I'm bringing you a greetings from the church in Oaxaca, Mexico that we were able to serve. So now it's your turn. you ready? So part of that receive or sending of greetings is the receiving of greetings. So you guys get to participate with me this morning. So put your hands like this. Everybody? And when I say, please, I'll say, please receive the greetings from the, okay, got that? And as soon as I say, finish, you one single clap, we're going to practice. Ready? Go. Very good. So here we go. So please receive the greetings from the church in Oaxaca, Mexico. Oh, you guys are good. Thank you very much. It's really important to remember that there's a body of Christ is not just here. The body of Christ is not just in this building. The body of Christ is all over the world. And so I've been refreshed and encouraged to be able to see other places in Mexico that I've never been, to see fellow believers, those who are striving and walking with our Lord each and every day. As may, I don't know if many of you have heard me speak before, but often, all the time, I like to start off with a reminder of what book it is that we're reading and studying from. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, he reminds us that all of Scripture is inspired by God. It is profitable for teaching. It is profitable for reproof and correction and the training in righteousness. This Word of God that we have been blessed with is that important. It is fundamental to everything we do, everything who we are, how we live our lives. This Word of God is where we get that training. And that's why I like to start off all of our teaching times with just that reminder. Because as I come and I present this section on Ephesians today, I want you to remember that this is God's word. It should be an encouragement to our hearts. It should be a, a, a reproving time. It should be a correction time. And it should be a training in righteousness, not our own righteousness, but in Christ's righteousness, trying to be more like him. So this morning, as we get started in our study, I just wanted us to make sure that we're all on the same page. So we're all on the same page? Very good. I'm glad to hear that. Let's pray together before we get into the word of God. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for your love for us. We thank you so much for the opportunity to gather in this building and to worship you. I thank you for uh, the songs that we have been sung this morning, just the wonderful reminder of how faithful you have been to us each and every day. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. I do ask that you would help us to remember that this is your words, your words to your children, your words of instruction, your words of encouragement and warning. And Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to open your word and to look at it this morning. I ask your blessings on this time. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So in this series that we've been going through, um, I think it's really important for us all to remember that history will always, always give us the result of a battle or a war. Every war that is encountered in the world, in the history of man, there was a beginning and there is an end of that war. Now, there are other wars coming up. There's wars going on even in our own day today. But the reality of it is all the judgment of who's victorious in those wars is always done looking back. But we have the honor and those wars but inside of those wars there's also battles every day some battles are won some battles are lost but nevertheless there are battles that go on each and every day and but i think it's very very important for us to remember that the the war the war that we are battling in our flesh today in trying to be faithful to our lord and obedient to him and put aside sin and put it back that war Guys, has been won. Christ won that war when he went to the cross for us. He, he presents us as his children now. We're safe. We're secure in him. And so just a couple of verses here to remind us. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, he says, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word victory means we won, Okay, And remember, most of in our, in our day-to-day walk, our wars and the history of those understanding who won those wars, that's past. But this is future victory. It's past in the sense it's been won, but we are victorious even in our day and as we continue on each and every day. In 1 John 5, 4 and 5, he says, For whatever has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world, but the one who believes in that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Guys, if you have come to that point of acknowledgement that He is our Lord and Savior, the Son and Christ is the Son of God, then we are victorious. We have conquered. And again, one more in Romans chapter 8 verse 37. That whole section is one of my favorite sections, so I had to choose one verse because I've got a few here and I don't want to keep going. But this one verse reminds us wonderfully, but in all things we are overwhelmingly conquered through Him who loves us. Do you catch that word? Overly, overwhelmingly? We are secure, we have won. Christ has won this battle for us. So when we are talking about the battles That or Sorry, the war has already been won. Now, when we come to the battles, this is the part where we individually, each day, have to continue to fight. We have to continue putting on the armor of God and continue staying in that position. We see this whole book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to the church and encouraging them in the way that they should walk. We see all the way through the scriptures, he says in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, "'He's a prisoner, and he implores you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling.'" In 5.1, he says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Paul is instructing us believers, encouraging us, showing us how it is that we are to live our lives as believers. And he continues in that he, through this whole book. He, gets, he says to be imitators of God. Guys, that's a high level of righteousness. And we need to be imitators of God in those actions. He continues on in 522, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Husbands, in in 525, he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Children, you listening? Obey your parents. Are they in here? They're not here. We should go tell them. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. These are the instructions that Paul is writing to the church on how it is that we as Christians should live our lives. He says, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters. He goes, continues on and says, masters, uh, do the same to them, have this same understanding because there's no partiality between slave and master. God sees us as one. And therefore, all of these things, Paul has spent this whole letter instructing us on how to live, how to walk, how to act. Now, I think that if we as believers or are, 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 people who say they are believers or Christians, if you have just taken this Christian faith and just added it to your to-do list for the week, because that's what we do on Sunday, and then the battle is probably not going to be raging in your heart. The battle is not going to be as difficult. As we look at this section in Ephesians and we continue in this series, this is genuinely, genuine war. And so the problem is, if we are not walking in obedience, if we are not conducting ourselves in the way that Christ asks us to be, if we decide, no, I'd rather not do it that way, then the devil is not going to be worried that worried about you. He's not going to bother you. You'll be fine. You'll just get from week to week to week. But that is not the life that Christ has called us to be. That is not how it is that we've, he's asked us to conduct ourselves. He says, he says he wants us, he says, so if the devil, he won't bother you if you're only that type of a Christian. Now, if you choose to be obedient to Christ in all these areas that Paul has written to us and in your daily walk, in your personal holiness, keeping away from temptation, in your attitudes your attitudes toward your wife or toward your husbands, in all of these areas of life that we know as what Christ has called us to do, then prepare thyself because the battle's coming. And why is that? Because the devil doesn't want us. To be a good example before others he knows his time is limited he knows this and he wants to just continue to beat us and to to entrap us and so we have to be able to stand ephesians 6 talks about standing a lot so if you have your bibles please open them up i didn't get all of the all of the um powerpoints with all the verses we're going to be going through today but i wanted us just to open up your bibles to ephesians chapter 6. I'm impressed with how often the first parts, verses 10, down through 10 through 14, talking about, or 13, talking about having this idea of putting on the full armor of God and standing. This standing is so important because we have placed our trust and faith in God and what it is that He has done, not in ourselves. In verse 14, he says, "Stand firm, therefore." having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, in 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. All of these things we've been going over in this series and having done this, these things that have been put on our bodies, these things have we have permanently wearing, these aren't things that we take off. These are our daily wear because life is, life is going to be a battle when we choose to be obedient to God. So having girded your loins with truth, that commitment to truth, do you believe that this word of God is true? And if it is true, are you acting on that truth, that fact that you believe that it is true? Having uh, having put on the breastplate of of righteousness. Remember this is Christ's righteousness that He has allowed us to that controls our thoughts and our emotions. That's that whole armor of God that covers your heart and your bowels. That's what the Romans that's what they, the idea of those signs. Your emotion was carried in your in your guts. You guys you get nervous your gut's like ooh you know? Coming back from the Mexico yesterday the plane starts dancing. I felt it right here and in my arm where my wife grabbed me. So <laughs> sorry dear, that emotion is, is protected because we're emotion beings and we, we tend to get upset or we get, tend to get fearful. And so that controls our, our, our emotions, that righteousness of Christ. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the, of the gospel. The gospel is the good news, and the gospel, the good news is we're not against God anymore. We're at peace with Him. We have a place of security in and with Him. And so we are able to rest in that security, rest in that, and having steadfast. The Roman soldiers, they had these like cleats on the bottom of their feet. So when it says to stand firm, you set your feet apart and you get yourself prepared and you don't move because you're ready for the battle. And today, we're going to be looking at verse 16. Last time I got to, had the opportunity to preach here, uh, they gave me a whole chapter now they gave me one verse. I don't know what that says, but um, <laughs> we're down to one verse. So we're going to be looking at verse 16 today, and so we're going to jump into that. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you are able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is one of the, the first three that have been going on are, are things that we have on us all the time. Those never should come off. The next three that come up are the shield of faith, the helmet, and the sword. All of those things are things that you pick up in addition, and when, it, when the battle becomes very hot, when the battle becomes very difficult, those are the things that we take up as in a second per, uh, line of protection. And that shield of faith is what we're going to be talking about today. It says, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith. This shield, this word shield, there are, um, is, uh, I'm sorry, let me get up, Yep. up. Um, in addition, we have taken up all those things, and then here it says to, it is not a removing of the first three, it's the adding to these other elements of the, of the armor of God. It says, now, when it talks about the shield, there's two different basic shields that are talked about in Scripture. The first one is a round one, about this big Around It has two leather straps. It hooks onto your arm, and you you wore it on your left arm, and you, if you're right-handed, you had your sword in your right hand, and you went hand-to-hand combat, but it was small. I thought about getting a shield, you know, a Captain America thing, because that's what everybody thinks, right? Small, round shield with a little thing like this. I know I'm trying this. I'm old, but it just seemed like that would work, but anyways... That small shield is not the same shield that Paul is talking about. What Paul is talking about is a shield similar to this. Gosh, this is metal. It's heavy. Okay? And this shield is the one that Paul is referring to. And this shield is represented as our shield of faith. This is what Paul is using as an example. And what would happen with this shield is that a man could hide, not me, a smaller man, could hide his whole body behind this shield. And in, the, in those days, when the battles would get hot, what they would do is they would put the whole line of, of soldiers with these type shields in the front, and they would shield their whole body. And if they hooked them all together, it was like a wall, and that wall of protection for those who were behind. And if the was, battle was really bad and they were being inundated with arrows of fire, they would take these shields, put them in front, and then put another layer on top of that. Now we've got cover, like a turtle. Just cover it all the way up and protect it behind it. This is that shield of faith. And this is what Paul is talking about. When the battles and the arrows have coming toward us and things are beginning to get very hot or difficult in our struggles, there's a picking up the shield, the additional shield. Now, in those days when the battles would go, the soldiers would get tired. They would go and rest. They would go and sit. They would take a minute to take a break if they had the opportunity they didn 't take off the belt of truth they did not take off the breastplate they did not take off their shoes and sit and wait for the battle to come back to them. but they may lay their, they, they may keep their shield close and their sword close and their helmet close. but when the battle starts to get hot, those are the things you take up. those are the double line of a protection that we have and that 's what paul 's talking about here he that that whole That whole shield that will protect our whole body, and that whole shield is faith. Continue on and see what else he says here. He says in verse. Continue on in verse sixteen. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows. Now it's really interesting to me here that this shield is able to not extinguish a few. What does it say? all of the flaming arrows. And like Pastor Sam talked about a couple weeks ago when we first started on this this whole um, series, he talked about that that idea of the Satan doesn't have to come right out to you, uh, right on right to you, but he uses things in our own lives, our own sin, our own tendencies to whisper to you. Remember what he said about that? He said that He just uses those things as temptations toward us. That's the way Satan works. And those temptations and daily struggles will continue to come each and every day. And so he wants us to take on this shield of faith to extinguish those things because we believe, we believe that God's word is true. We believe that what he says is right. So he says, um, and these flaming arrows are like the schemes of the devil. Remember back in 11, verse 11, he said, put on the full armor of God so that you are able to stand firm against what? The schemes of the devil. The devil is a very crafty person. And remember, guys, this idea of this battle against Satan is not against a myth or something. He is a real person. He's really there. And he's using all of these opportunities and all these things that he can to entrap us, to allow our own sin natures to take us apart, or our own tendencies of life to pull us away from being obedient to God. True to his form, we can see, we can look at who our adversary is, and we can look from the Old Testament, from Genesis chapter 1. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn back there real quick. We know this section, but Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Satan comes to Eve. And in his craftiness, he says, uh, he said, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, indeed has God said, you shall not eat of any of the trees. Because this is the method in which Satan attacks us, guys. This is those arrows, those flaming arrows. This is how he attacks. He uses doubt. He creates this little opportunity. Well, did God really say that? That's how he does it, because it shakes shakes our faith. It shakes our obedience. It may allow us to start going away from what God really says, even though we know it because we think we know better. This is how Satan works. This is how he does it. And again, in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, we see this time where Christ is in the desert. He's and he's, he's been without food for 40, he's in the desert for 40 days, and he's there, and Satan comes to him and tries to tempt him as well. He says, in verse 3, he says, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Down in verse 6, he said, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And, all of, and then in verse 9, he says, all of these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Satan is using the situation that Christ was in, have been in the desert without eating for 40 days, to try to tempt him with the physical things. This is his method, always trying to undermine, always trying to get the best of us. And this is what Satan does, and this is how he does it. I love Christ's answer in that chapter. In those verses, Christ said, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall not worship Oh, sorry, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Christ used that. I just can't imagine that, Christ, that Satan himself tried to deceive the one who created him. But that's what he does. He has no, he has no limit to who he will try to tempt. And, and so we see that this the devil is a very crafty person, and then this is the this is the way that he operates in sending these fiery um, these fiery arrows toward us. And when the arrows of the enemy were thrown, they were dipped in pitch, lit on fire, and thrown. They were shot, and that pitch, when it would hit, it would splatter and get all over. So this is why this shield of faith is so important to be able to hide from all the damage that may be caused by this these arrows and for a moment i'd just like to look continue on in verse 16 he says he, uh, verse 16 toward the end he would be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one the bible describes the devil in a couple different ways the angel of light the deceiver the accuser the sl- the slanderer all these apt, you know ways of describing uh, the devil. One of the ones that uh, in First Peter, uh, chapter five, verse eight, he says, "Be sober. Be of sober spirit and be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour." Now, one of the benefits that Becky and I had of serving in Kenya for a long time is to understand exactly what this picture comes to. You have that picture up there. You go, a roaring lion. Okay. Now. This is an actual picture that Becky took. We were, came on a little thing. We were in a car. We were around the game park, and we pulled up to this lion, and he's sitting there in the bushes all happy and fine, and we're all taking pictures. It was really cool. And all of a sudden, our driver reaches outside the door and starts banging on the door of the car and yelling at the lion. And, and everything was fine. And my, Well, not everything. My wife was getting a little nervous. But this lion, he just turns around at us and does that. And that with a little bit of a roar. And I'm telling you guys, it makes you shiver inside. The adversary that we have in the devil is amazing. And it's really interesting to me how it is that the devil works was very similar to how a lion works. In Kenya, in the evenings, what they, all the, uh, the, the Maasai and the Samburu, they would gather their animals at night. They would create a boma. And this boma, was t- they would take thorn trees, they would hack them down. They would create this large circle. And then they would put all of their cows inside that thorn tree hedge. And they would keep them there overnight. In the morning, they'd pull them out and walk them around. And then they'd come back and put them inside the boma. Now, this boma was safe. The, the walls were about like this tall, thick, tied together, thorn trees with thorns about that big. They were, all the cows were safe inside that, that boma. Now, the lion is a very crafty animal. He figured out how to get to the lions without having to go through the Maasai guys or the Samburu guys, because they all had either rifles or they had spears and rungus. They had all kinds of weapons that were protecting their animals. But what the, animal, what the, the lions would do, they would simply walk outside of the boma. They would go upwind from the boma in order for their scent to come down over the cows. And the cows would get very, very nervous. It was a, it's an amazing thing. Those cows could sense the devil, or not the devil, yeah, the, the lion was there. They could sense it. And they'd start getting all agitated and everything else. And the lion would just sit up there and he'd make his, not the roaring noises, but he would make his grunting noise. He'd just, hmm, 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 like that. You, just, you hear this in the night. Guys, can you get with me? Nighttime, lions, scary, okay? And so all, of that, all the lion had to do was that. All he had to do was walk around and make his presence known. You know what the cows will do? They get so agitated, they run outside of the Boma and run for their lives. Instead of staying where it was safe, instead of staying where it was protected, They ran, and then this is the result. The lions would grab the cows and eat them. So when Peter says, beware, be sober-minded, understand who our, our enemy is, he's crafty. He's able to use our own sin issues and our heart's issues to allow us to doubt, to have doubt about being in that safe place which is in Christ. And our shield of faith is just that important, because it's an act of believing that Christ is what His Word is true. Um, let's just take a few minutes, and we'll finish up with our time. I'd look to, like to look over at Hebrews and talk about a little bit about this faith. Because when Paul uses this example of a shield of faith, the shield is important. But remember, let's Break this down a little bit. It's not the actual physical Roman shield, okay? This won't really save you a lot. I mean, it may, but you can still really get hurt. But our faith, that example of our faith in trusting in our Lord and taking the steps necessary after we trust Him to act on that faith in obedience to Him. So my favorite passages on this is Hebrews 11. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look a few a few of these verses in this chapter. I love this chapter because it starts off with a great definition. We're just going to read that first. So Hebrews chapter eleven, verses one and two. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. That verse, first verse there, just it says, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for." please understand that faith is not based on something that you can see or have seen. Correct? We all together on that? Because if you have already seen it, you already know about it, you can trust in it, it's not faith. None of you had faith in your chairs this morning. None of you. I guarantee it. Nobody thought when they came in this morning and said, is this chair going to hold me up? Or? Okay, good. I was hoping that example would work. So, no one when we know something that that faith is on the things of not seeing when we trust in our fact that god is going to take care of us in the future through our obedience that's the faith that that is required and it continues on uh, by for by the by in sorry for by it the men of old gained approval and so it goes through, chapter 11 just goes through a lot of these verses. They're giving example from, Cain and Abel, from, Cain, from Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham. And one of the examples I would like to look at is from Abraham, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19. And we understand that, and remember this, this Abraham was an older gentleman. He had older, hadn't had any kids. God promised him he'd be a father of a great nation, and he has a son. And Isaac is there, and he's growing up. Now God comes to him and says, "I need you to sacrifice your son." Okay, so I don't know that I could comprehend all that, but just think about what he walked, what he went through. He trusted in God. He trusted Him that when He said He would be a father of a great nation, He actually believed Him. He would be that would be the way it is. And so in that process, when Christ com- or God comes to him and says, it says in verse 17, "By faith Abraham was tested." And offered Isaac, whom he had received as a promise, was offered up upper, sorry, offering, offering up his only begotten son. So here's the situation. Abraham is, has his son. God comes to him, and says, "I need you to uh, go to the mountain and sacrifice him." Abraham takes his son, and they go on a trip. They walked a long time, just the two of them. Can you imagine what's going through Abraham's mind? Thinking, okay, what is the Lord doing here? And he continues on. And he's walking along and he gets to the top of the mountain. Now what? Uh, I hope the Lord knows what's going on, but I'm going to keep being obedient. So he builds the altar. He gathers the firewood. And then he ties his son up. His son says, Where's the offering? Don't worry, the Lord will provide. And then he ties his son up. The act of tying up your son to put him on an altar. Are you still trusting the Lord that this is the descent, that all the descendants would be? after Isaac. That is just an amazing thought to think of the faith that Abraham exercised. He didn't know. He knew what God had told him. He knew that what he was supposed to do, and he continued in that. He didn't know what the next moment was going to bring. And then he puts his son up there, and he raises his knife. He gets to the point of raising his knife to kill his own son. And let's look at what the last verse says here. (laughs) I love it. So wonderful. Verse eighteen, we'll just read it, and it was he whom it was said in Isaac, in, I, in Isaac, your descendants will shall be called. And in verse nineteen, for he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received back his back as in a type. Abraham was convinced; he trusted God in his obedience to the point of saying, "Well." I guess he'll raise them from the dead. So let's continue on. I, what an amazing example of faith. Guys, that is that security of trusting God, having that faith, having that trust in Him and walking through that. Another section in Hebrews, if you'll just, um, let's look over here at Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 through and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and, and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that has been set for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shaman, and sat down at the right hand of God. I'm no, sorry, right hand of the throne of God. Guys, look at this verse. Because we have, if you have time, read through Hebrews 11. It's a great chapter. It talks about all these people who were faithful, and all their faith was shown in their actions. How do we know that we truly believe? When you really believe, are you acting on what you believe? Are you being obedient? And are you walking with him? But this verse, chapter 12, he says, because we have this great class, let us lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run the race that is set before. Okay, listen to verse two. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Who are you trusting in? Your own knowledge, your own abilities, your own strength, your endurance. What it is that you are trusting in? Because our faith needs to be set on Christ. We need to be looking to Him and trusting in Him, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Our faith is a gift to us. Our faith is something that Christ, God has given us when we come to Him. And it is in Him who He sustains us. That's the beauty of all of these armors of God. All of these things are gifts that we have received that we will, if we will stay in them, we can learn to be obedient to Him. It is not of our own strength. Our truth is not. People, you know, there is only one truth, and that is God's truth. The, the righteousness is not our own righteousness. There's nothing that we can do or say or act that is good enough for, for God in the sense that we can earn it. It is all because of Christ. The gospel, the good news, there's no way that we can come to peace with God without Christ and the perfect sacrifice. There's no way. And when we come to the shield of faith, it is the act of putting our trust and faith in Christ and what he did on the cross on our behalf that allows us to stand firm it allows us to take a position not running off on our own i un- i love the fact that it doesn't say picking up all these swords and running toward the enemy it doesn't say that it says to stand firm mm-hmm. don't be moved stay in that position be surrounded with what christ has done for us and who he is i love the fact that it is he who is the author he is the one that does, who gave us the faith. He is the perfecter. He puts us through trials. He allows us to be attacked by the, have these battles and be, be all these things, temptations and all. He allows those things to happen in our lives so that we build up a dependence and a trust and a, and a track record of faithfulness. We sang about it this morning that God has been in our lives and the fact that we can trust Him in that and in that point continue to be obedient the perfecter of faith. I love the second part of verse two. He says, for for the joy set before him endured the cross, the joy and cross, joy and cross. How do we tie those two together? Because the joy of the cross was the defeating of sin, the defeating of Satan. And then in the second part of this, he says, despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of God or sorry, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In Swahili, they use that term, uh, they use the term for that, that, that's translated, it says, which means the right side of strength. The right side of strength. That's where Christ sits, at the right side of the throne, in power and might, as the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who won the battle, guys. And that is who it is that we are placing our trust in. That is the one who we are putting our faith in, not our own. So when it says here he sat down, that whole idea is the work was complete. And Christ sits there on our behalf and encourages us and guides us and is our intercessor. When people, accusation, when the devil as an accuser comes to God and says, hey, did you see what Woodworth did? Uh, My dad, not me. (laughs) No, just kidding. Did you see what Woodworth did? He did it again. He failed again. Battles are up and down, but Christ is able to say it's paid for. It's done. The victory is won. And so we can rest in that. Now, as a personal note, this, is a, this has been a great study for myself in this time of life. We're back from the field. We're working at Letourneau as the missionaries in residence. I don't know what my future holds. It's really interesting. The college students and I are on the same page and I'm trying to keep up with them, and it's killing me. The reality of them, they're all looking, what's going to happen? Who am I going to marry? What kind of job am I going to get? Should I take this internship? Should I not take it? What is going to happen? What about money? They don't have any money, guys. They just, all these things. They worry, not worry, but yes, they worry, and I worry. But why do we worry? Why? Look who has won the battle for us. Look who loves us. Look who has given his life for us. Look who has promised to take care of us. Let us put our faith in that person and hide behind that shield of faith. Stay there. Don't run outside. Don't be fearful and run. The devil will get you. Stand firm in the obedience of Christ. And just remember, Christ has won this war. So stand firm. With the shield of faith, we're going to close in prayer. But I would like to ask um, if you would need any prayer requests this morning. The the prayer team is going to come forward and be able to be here for you. If there's issues that are going on in your life that you're struggling with, please come. I have really grown to appreciate and love prayer. It has been a wonderful comfort to me. Because why? Because we're realigning our thoughts with God's plan and trusting in Him and having our faith placed in Him. So if you guys would come forward, I'm going to close this a time in prayer, and if you guys have any needs at all, please come, okay? Come on forward. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your love for us. We thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You, Father, that it is that clear. Thank You for being our shield. Thank You, Father, for faith that we can trust you. I just pray, Father, for each and every one here this morning as they walk through their life of Christianity, walk through their life of obedience, learning to know who you are, learning to grow to know you, and having that relationship, that closer relationship with you, you would help them to stand firm. Help that faith to be not just something we remind ourselves about on Sundays, but help it to be that daily waking up acknowledging who you are in our life, acknowledging what you have done for us, and looking at the history of what you've done and understand that you have defeated Satan, you have defeated death, you have defeated sin. And if we will stand there, we can have a life of joy, even in the midst of trouble. Father, we thank you for this time together. And Father, if there are those here this morning who are living that life of, I'm just... Say I'm a Christian and I go to church on Sunday and my life is normal as, as the rest of the week. Father, I pray that you would convict them of that this day. Help them to understand it is not something we just add to our life. Help them to understand that life is in, in you and life in obedience to you is so very important. And I pray, Father, you would help them to examine their lives today. Father, we thank you. We ask your blessings on the week ahead. Help us to walk in the way, walk in a worthy way before you as Paul's written in this word letter it's for all these things we pray in Jesus name amen